Hey, I'm Mark Mancina, and we're here to talk about my career, whatever that is, and uh, the past, and the present, and uh, movies, and music, and fun stuff. Well, Mark, thank you so much for, for your time and for being able to sit down and chat. I really appreciate it. Through this big storm here. Yeah, I know. You braved it. That's a perfect twister weekend. You know? <laughs> it is. <laughs> in L.A., weird. Yeah. Um, so to start, I'd love to talk, but I know we've interviewed in the past, but I'd love to kind of talk about your background and um, kind of what, what, what kind of set you on the path to becoming a musician, and then at what point did film music kind of enter that path and kind of put you on that tangent, I guess, going that way. You know, it's, it's interesting you asked that question because I was talking to my brother yesterday, and he told me that when I was a little kid, that I told him I was going to conduct an orchestra. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> um, but the other thing we talked about was that I, I did, fortunately for me, from the time I was born, that all I wanted to do was music. So mm-hmm. I, I never had a feeling that I was going to do anything else. Um, and I think I can't do anything else, actually. But <laughs> I, I never thought about becoming uh, a composer of any mm-hmm. kind or, or film or any of that kind of stuff. It was just that I wanted to be in music from the time I can remember. Uh, and nothing was going to stop me. And, and I don't know why nothing stopped me, because I had <laughs> nothing but criticism and still do. But, yeah. <laughs> but it just didn't ever phase me to give up. So I never did. So when uh, when was it? Were you writing just uh, your own pieces starting out, and then when did you been? When did like go, oh film music like that's a way, that's that's what I want to do. I I don't remember the film music change over, mm-hmm. or, or even if there was one. I think right. I think one of the aspects was that in high school, I was really influenced by uh, the early seventies progressive rock bands yeah. that was a big thing for me even though I was a little bit younger I was like a year younger for my class and this kind of stuff um, I was really into that music I bonded with it mm-hmm. and I learned how to play it and I wrote that kind of music I had that kind of band and yeah it wasn't that far of a cry from film music in some respects right so when I transitioned into film music I felt like I already knew what I was gonna do mm-hmm and you had some 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 early jobs. Your first jobs are kind of going back, and um, I think one of the composers that you worked with put they they've recently put them on their website. Uh-huh. Stuff like the Bounty Hunter, uh, Man Killers, Coding Ventures. Oh, yeah, Do you remember yeah, yeah. all these old really yeah. bad action well, that, movies? So, so what was going on at that point? So I had a band, and uh-huh. I was trying to get a record deal, and I was writing songs, and I was writing songs for other artists, and I was trying to make it in that area. Yeah. But the studio I was working in had these. They're not even C movies. I think they're <laughs> F movies. And we would have, I think we had three days to score them. Wow. And so I would bring in, I don't know what I had at that point, a couple of synthesizers or something. Yeah. And we would basically push record on the tape machine and mm-hmm. just start recording to picture whatever came out. Because it would be, of course, it was wall-to-wall music. That's yeah. what you do with usually with bad movies. And... Uh, and we would have to finish it by Monday morning, so we would just write these scores. Now, some of these have been on Mystery Science Theater, yeah. which is the greatest thing for me that, <laughs> that I actually got made fun of on that channel, because that was very funny. Right. I think one of the, one of the, uh, one of the movies I did, the guy said, uh, ooh, I have a DX7, listen to me go. You know, so, <laughs> and that's probably what I had. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, with Tim James and Steve McClintock. Right, right, right. They, and they owned the studio. Yeah. So they owned the studio there, so they would get the gig. And then we'd sit in this room, and I'd have the keyboard, and yeah. be like, "Mark, come up with something." Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So when did um so when did the 
when did Mr. Hans come into play? When did you meet Hans, and how did that kind of collaboration? Yeah, it's weird building? because I was, I was, as I say, I was writing songs and trying to get a record deal, and I was working with John Van Tongren. Yeah, he was producing me as an artist, and at a certain point, we were going to mix my songs, and Jay Rifkin came in right. to mix the songs, and heard my songs and heard my stuff, and said, "Do you write? Have you ever written instrumental music or any kind?" And I said. Um, yeah, I've got some stuff. And he said, because I work with Hans Zimmer, and I'm mm. just, who's that, you know? So <laughs> I gave Jay the the music, and Hans heard it, called me. I went to his studio. I think Billy Idol was there. <laughs> and I think Days of Thunder was going on. Yeah, that's yeah. how I recall it. I'm right. not sure that's quite right, but I think that's how. And Hans was put me to work, and now I'm packing my stuff in my mom's car, basically, and driving to Santa Monica and working on these whatever I was working on, songs and films, and yeah. working with Trevor Horn, and it was a shift. Now, at the same time as that was going on, I was also, because of my songwriting, I had songs with Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, mm. and and Yes, and I was going to work with them, and I toured with Trevor, so all this right. weird, all these things were kind of converging, the prog rock thing was converging, yeah, yeah. film music was happening, Yeah, it was kind of a strange time. <laughs> Someone else that you also met very early, and that's been... I instrumental in your, in your in your collaboration in your music is Dave Metzger who oh yeah who has been your orchestrator and kind yeah. of and so uh, talk about as a composer when you when you try to find someone that you really click with like what makes you and Dave work so well together and well you know years? really Dave worked with me uh, I think it was speed Two. I think he did some orchestration on it but I don't remember him at that point mm -hmm. but uh, when I was doing the Lion King on Broadway yeah um, we got into a disastrous situation, and I, I was I needed an orchestrator badly, and I didn't know who to get. I had people that I was working with, but I wasn't sure that was going to work out. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I called Don Harper, who was a good friend yeah. and composer, and I said I need somebody who's solid and amazing, and that's going to be pressure because we're really behind. And he said Dave. So I brought Dave to I think it was Minnesota, Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> and he slaved through the Lion King and of course did an unbelievable job yeah, and I, we never stopped working together from that That's point. awesome. <laughs> Rewinding back a little bit, um, one of your, of course, one of your first big features was Speed, working with Yann Devant and um, to me, looking back at that, I'm a, I'm a product, of, I'm, I grew up, I'm born 1987, I grew up through the 90s with those action scores, that's what got me into, I'm not a, I'm not a composer, but what got me into film were at Speed and and I think Speed and Terminator 2 for me were kind of those yeah. iconic scores. You and, and Brad kind of set the tone for the rest of the decade. Going back, do you, what, what do you remember about starting that film and what the approach for Speed needed to be? It was great. You know, Speed was such a weird film because uh, Michael Kamen was hired to do Speed. Mm. And, in, and in fact was, I think, doing it. But I was hired by the director, by Jan. Mm -hmm. He wanted me to do it. Because um, I had done some music on True Romance. Yeah, and they attempt some of the score with the stuff I did, so uh, somehow Jan came to me and said, "I want you to do my movie." And of course, the, the Fox, the studio, was calling me saying, "You're not doing the movie. You're a nobody, and you know, forget it. Don't even think you're doing it." <laughs> then Jan would come to me and say, "Don't speak to anybody. Just do it." Wow, really weird. Yeah. So I'm working in this little room, and you know, my concept back then was uh, to take all the orchestra percussion and make do do bus sounds metallic sounds yeah. you know all this kind of interesting texture to add to the orchestra 
And then also I wanted to involve Alan Holdsworth because, again, progressive rock, Alan Holdsworth is this amazing guitar player who mm -hmm. played with UK, which was a progressive rock band. And I asked Alan to do a bunch of textures for me. So I sort of had this great little arsenal. Yeah. Um, and then I came up with, I think, a pretty good theme, and, and so. I was away, and, and uh, you know, I just, I just put my head down, and I had, it was a small movie, you know, it was right. a, yeah. a small picture, and Sandra Bullock was completely unknown. Um, I think Keanu Reeves had done, I think he had done Bill and Ted's, I think. Yeah, it was Point Break before that. I'm to point Break, yeah. 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 So he, people knew him, but mm -hmm. it was a really, really small movie. I had right. no idea of the impact that movie would have. And when you, when you come up with a theme like that, which is now... And everyone, I mean, I remember they spoofed it in like Spy Hard. They did. It's like, <laughs> what, what, is that the first thing you come up with? Is that like, let me get a theme first, or do you kind of try to find? I wrote the elevator scene where they're in the elevator. Yeah. I wrote that scene first, and they hated it. Fox hated it. Mm -hmm. um, Jan liked it a lot. But after that, I, I, I thought, you know, yeah, well, this movie needs a theme. And, yeah. and I, I don't remember, I mean, I wrote it early and I, and I showed it to him. Um, I just don't remember. I remember it was a struggle, but I but I, I know he really liked it. Yeah. I remember when I played it for him on the main title, I played him the theme, and he kept la he would stop and laugh. And I said, "Why are you laughing?" He goes, "I love it so much. I can't I can't m contain my emotion." Yeah. But but it was weird because he was laughing. Was so I thought, reaction. "Do you hate it? Are you making fun of it, or what?" Hey, there's somebody at the door. <laughs> you can do a pause. <laughs> so yeah, we were talking about um, uh, working with Jan, and and you did Speed, and then you went on to do Twister, and then Speed Two with him. Um, Street Two was really difficult because it, the movie had such problems. Yeah. But Twister was really fun, and and I have nothing but great things to say about Jan. I mean, he took a chance on me on Speed. Yeah. And uh, and I loved working with him. I I had hoped that he would do movies for forty years, you know. Yeah. And it just didn't really work out that way. But he was he's great. So looking back at uh, Twister, which is another like, kind of this iconic kind of disaster '90s movie with you know Bill Paxton, Helen Hunt, and great characters. Um. How did you approach scoring? Because it wasn't like super. It wasn't like Speed, where you had this big bad guy, and you know, it wasn't like a terrorist or anything. But it was just kind of there was destruction and everything. Where did the, the the themes come from for that film? So they flew me out there, which was you know, I'm, this is early on. So they flew me out to Kansas, yeah, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure where they were. They were somewhere in the <laughs> somewhere middle in the of the United States, yeah. and uh, and I remember getting to the set, and there was this truck driving with Jan under the truck, holding a camera uh -huh. with, with these harnesses on him, and gigantic wind machines and blowing stuff across the road. And I, I just sat there and went, this is unbelievable. <laughs> this guy's crazy. Um, then we went to this house that night and watched dailies. Mm -hmm. and, and that gave me the instinct to write that main theme, which is the Wheatfields theme, which yeah. was sort of what the whole score is based on. Right. Jan really wanted uh, choir to be the voice of the tornadoes. Oh, yeah. Um, which is kind of tricky because um, that can borderline on really cornball. So yeah. I tried, yeah, I tried my best, but uh, I really liked that wheat, wheat fields theme, that kind of Copelandy. When I, I when dare I, drove, I say Copeland. When I when I when I drove cross country, we would me and my friend would play that when we get hit the, you know the big wind <laughs> turbines like on Route seventy. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another uh, iconic kind of '90s action film you did, of course, with Bad Boys uh, with Michael Bay. Um, and that was, I believe, his first film. I think it was. Yeah, and so, and that was, I think, a little bit different than than Speed in terms of approach. Um, it, was it just like another another thing in the action canon, or how did you approach it? Uh, no, actually, one? no. The the thing about Bad Boys One that was fun for me was that it took place in in I think Miami mm -hmm. or Florida. So I wanted to give it a little bit of a Jamaican background. Yeah. You know, which made it fun to grab from that. 
and then sort of the auction thing and and you know have a, a groove to it and you know it's 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 two two cops you yeah know, so I wanted to give them kind of a, a theme you know right. a thing that yeah. they could they'd be cruising around listening to um, you didn't return for Bad Boys 2 I know because well I, think, I did you did you worked on it for a little <laughs> bit did you willingly walk away from it because I know there were some disagreements or did were yeah. you fired off of it well I should have been fired off that would have been much better for me um no, it was again. You know, I, I, I just didn't want to rewrite. I just didn't want to write the same thing over and over. Yeah, and I know that's what I you wanted said. to do something else with it. That, right? uh, they didn't want anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I, I think I, I think I involved Trevor. I think I did. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then and then it was just best if you just take it over. Yeah, um, it just wasn't working out. Michael Bay didn't like what I was doing. Yeah, did you ever watch the the final product? I've seen parts of it. Uh huh. Because I think they uh, they kept some of my, they kept some of your it's stuff. It's weird yeah. because you know you know it's like <laughs> who knows, man. Um, in terms of that kind of dec- decade, uh, in term and then I guess now, how do you has action films have they changed in your perspective? Like has the, the way they're scored or the way they're shot? You know, do you think action? Well, the themes are gone. Yeah, that's what I know. Themes too. are gone. Yeah. yeah, which is a shame. Um, and I, you know, I have to be honest. I mean, I didn't set out to be an action composer. I know it was it not was, my yeah. forte. I didn't think, and I, I yeah. also didn't think that that's not the kind of movies I want to watch. Yeah. So usually, right. so um, it just happened that I had some success with it, but I wasn't. I wasn't always looking for the next action, and still, I'm. I'm just. It's not, you know, always what I want to do. If it's if it's a good film, I want to do it. Of course. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what that genre is. But just action because it's exciting and mm-hmm. it has a fast pace and there's a pulse. Let somebody else do that. Yeah, I mean, and another one. I mean, just and one of the another film I grew up that I really liked was Con Air, and you worked with Trevor on that one. And uh, that's the one. Okay, Con Air was the handoff one because Con Air, I got Con Air, and I started Con Air uh, and brought Trevor into that, and uh-huh. then I had to do another film, and, and Trevor finished it, uh-huh. and that sort of started his career. Because yeah. he was doing Steven Seagal films yeah. before that. But, and then like Exit Wounds and stuff. Yeah, like but that sort of started his relationship with Jerry off. I think that's how it worked. He didn't, yeah, and then Bad Boys 2 was later, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, and but Con- yeah, Connor had the, and we were talking a little bit about kind of the industrial metallic thing. And, yeah, yeah, well, Trevor was... and I did that. That that uh, that theme for the trailer, but then that became sort of the theme. Yeah. We did that together, and that was really fun. That was that was a good a good time. Yeah, and then you got his anthem guitar stuff. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nobody can do it like he can. <laughs> But mentioning we talked about Jerry Bruckheimer, and I've talked to other composers, um, and you said about kind of like a, a, a trust and everything, but is, is on a Jerry Bruckheimer production, do, is he the one that you answer to versus yeah. the director? Yes. Yeah, so it's kind and of... And the thing is, is that, you know what, he's a really, really good guy. Yeah. He's not a bad guy at no. all. I like Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah. The problem is, is that I just think he, his tendency is to feel that composers are, are lazy, mm. and that if he doesn't push you hard enough, you're not going to do your best. Okay. I think that's his tendency with music. I don't mm. know how he works with other people. Um, and I, I always I always did my best for him. Mm-hmm. So it was always difficult for me to play him something and have him just walk out and go, that, that's not good. And I go, wait, 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 wait. That, it's really good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was hard to deal with that, because what he was doing was just trying to push me. Right. I don't really work well that way. Yeah. You know, I sit down and I work my butt off to get you that that theme so right. it's not like I didn't try and it's just something I threw down mm-hmm. one of the uh, you worked with Hans kind of a little bit rewind a little bit you worked with Hans on The Lion King and then yeah. you kind of took over and did a big part for the, the Lion King on Broadway yeah what was in the translating such a successful film with someone you know Hans's work and turning into a Broadway production what was involved with that oh. I mean 
That was a that must have been a monumental task. The, the, the hardest part of it, well, one of the hardest parts about it was I had just done Twister, mm -hmm. so I had a really good career going. Yeah, and I knew in order to do a Broadway show, I was going to basically have to give up the movie mm. thing for a while, and because theater is a completely different beast. Yeah, so I took the chance. Luckily, it was a big success. Yeah, it's still going. And a payoff <laughs> for me, which was great, but. Um, then the other part of this was that I wasn't just in charge of the score. I want they wanted me to interpret and write the score because mm -hmm. it wasn't the same score. It had some of the same themes for yes, sure. Yeah. Um, co-write songs and co-write lyrics. So that means every piece of music is touched. Wow. In the film, there were five songs. In the musical, there's seventeen, I believe. Wow. So it was a lot of work, yeah. and it was all live, of course, because you're dealing with a pit group and you're dealing yeah. with live musicians, which is you know quite different than working with film, because mm -hmm. uh, all the timings change every time. <laughs> I, I mean, now that it's been running for God, I don't know how many years now. Twenty. This 20, is a twenty-year anniversary. Twenty years. Do you, does it need retooling? Does it need? Do you touch it again? You know, or is we it, just I just came back from doing that. Really? I actually wow. put uh myself me dave metzger who did the orchestration and julie tamor yeah lebo uh and garth fagan who's the choreographer mm -hmm. put us in in the theater with the cast and we went through the show and tom schumacher who's in charge said to us i want you to change whatever you want to change mm. uh, uh, tweak whatever you want to tweak because this is 20 years later we're all 20 years older in another 20 years they might be wheeling us down here to do <laughs> so uh this is your last chance basically <laughs> it was very surreal to be in there and saying oh, let's take that violin out and let's uh, let's move let's take the percussion boxes out of that cue and was it was, just changing things for the sake of changing things or was it, was it... just a, a chance to for the original creative team to mm -hmm. tweak it a little bit if yeah. if needed and right. some stuff wasn't needed of course right. you know um but it was it was surreal so it to was kind of revisit that world and be in that world again very strange yeah yeah <laughs> Um, and speaking of Disney, I mean, you have such a great relationship with Disney, with Tarzan yeah. and Brother Rare and Plans and Riesling Moana. Yeah. Um, and I just interviewed uh, Henry Jackman just two weeks ago, and we talked about his Disney films. And do you feel like there is a Disney, like when you say Disney movie, you immediately think of, I guess, a type of film or type of sound. Do you think there is a kind of a, a brand that you, you fill in as a composer that you work within kind of like, okay, I'm going to make a Disney score? Or do you be like... I'm just approaching this as an I don't, you know, I don't have any kind of Disney formula. Yeah, there's for no, sure. Okay. But I can tell you that the scrutiny and and on planes in Moana, that's John Lasseter. Yeah. So you you your themes need to hit him right. in a place where he says that's great. Right. And that's not too easy to do. Yeah, he's a, um, is, he, is he picky with It's not that he's picky, it's that he goes with his gut mm -hmm. and he's right. Yeah, <laughs> he's, so, he's a very smart guy. <laughs> he used to be very smart. So you know, you you want to do your best for him. You know, mm -hmm. you want to do your best, but it's also um, nerve wracking because right. you know, if if he doesn't like it, it's gone. I mean, it's not. Let's talk about it. It's just it's just not doing it for me. You wow. know, I don't like that color of that car. You know, you can't make it me like it. Yeah, you know? and uh, and I respect that. Um, but I'd say for the most part, he he likes what I do. So yeah, and for for. Uh, for Moana, I mean, it was such a you got to collaborate. You did work on the songs and and the <coughs> score, yeah, really, and, yeah. and which is like looking back at uh, Frozen, which is a you know big big successful film. But um, you know, Kristoff didn't work on the songs. Yeah, it was two different two kind different, of, different camps so, in a way. Do, do you, and you're coming from you know working on both. Do you see a benefit to? I see it as 
stitching the fabric a little bit better. I don't know. Do you prefer not like? Do you like working on the songs and and the score? Or do you prefer to? Be, I'd rather just do this. Well, you're asking me at a bad time because I, I when I finished that movie, that was way too much yeah. to take on to yeah. be the producer on the songs to help write songs, to write the score, right? And and you know the way that I work, it was that movie, <clears throat> as far as the responsibility aspect of it, mm -hmm. was me. Dave Metzger and Marlon, mm -hmm. we we did it. Now Lynn did great and yeah. wrote great stuff. Opatia did great and wrote great stuff. But they they can't write a score and they yeah. can't fit the songs together and make the songs work and extend right. the bridge and make sure that it addresses the, what's going on in the story. Right. And you know that's a whole different yeah. skill set. And we I don't work with a big team or mm -hmm. even a, even four people. You know it's just us. So for just us, it was a big chunk to do the entire to be responsible for the entire thing. Right. Was it was it any different than working on like Tarzan or Brother Bear with like working with Phil Collins or anything like that? It was Tarzan was easier. Mm -hmm. for one for one thing, you know, Phil was really attentive because <clears throat> he's a workaholic basically. Yeah. So uh, he was fantastic. The songs were written ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So in Moana, we wrote the songs as we were doing the score. We were writing we were writing the songs. Four months before the movie was done. Wow, which is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> um, because also the score had to be written. Yeah, uh, so that aspect was difficult. Geographically, it was very difficult. Lynn is in New York, and the most successful guy in the universe. Right. Opatia is in New Zealand. To get us together was not easy. With the time zone, yeah. Time well, everything yeah. you know about it was difficult. Um, there was just a lot of humps and and difficulties involved in making that film. Tarzan, the songs were written. I came into it and took the songs and, you know, arranged and produced mm -hmm. them for the film. But they were already kind of there. Yeah. And then wrote the score, and then okay. Phil played on the score. So right. the yeah, whole yeah. thing was just like a dream. It was yeah. a lot of work, but it yeah. was it was great. Moana was much more kind of. They really wrote the story as they went, so they didn't have the story ahead of time. Mm. So even seven months out. They weren't really sure how this was going to end and how this story was going to be. Wow! So it made it stressful, <laughs> stressful, and and hands on. You know, the hours spent were yeah. tremendous, and I'm sure for the writers and everybody that worked right. on that film. Well, I the as just from my point of view, I think it paid off because it's one of my favorite scores of the year yeah. and and everything. I think I mean the whole experience. I was in tears like the end I, I loved the film, yeah, you know. And, but I have to tell you that like a month before we were done, mm -hmm. I I was just thinking this is. How is it? This is never going to pull together. This is going to be a mess, and it's going to be ridiculed as as a big Disney mess. I I just didn't have the confidence anymore. Wow. And it was overworked too. But yeah. but they really pulled it together. You know, we kept working on the music, and we kept re reworking it, and right. remixing it, or whatever had to be done, re-recording flute ideas and things. With it. And then all of a sudden, I I saw it about three days before they sent the answer prints out, and it was pretty stunning. Yeah, and a, beautiful. It's I mean, the animation animated. Is just, oh my god. Yes, so vivid. Well, those directors are. Oh yeah, amazing. John and and uh, John yeah, and Ron. Ron. yeah, they're amazing. My Little Mermaid, Aladdin, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and kind of a, a, a different. We're talking about animation. You did these two really great things. Blood, Blood Plus. You had these two amazing albums that came out with that. And and um, what was it like working on, on a piece of anime like that? And kind of it was a very modern, western sounding score, kind of in a different style of animation. Yeah, really um, different. Yeah. Okay, so that uh, that movie was a uh, show was done series was done right. unlike anything I've ever done. <clears throat> I think part of it was because it's Japanese. Yeah, they 
and, and this I did this with Don Harper and, and Dave Metzger. So the three of us basically had to take on this beast because it was a lot of music. Yeah. <laughs> um, what they did was they wrote story beats, and then they would give us a style of music, and then we would write that piece. Wow. And then go to the next one. They must have been, I don't know, a hundred of them. I don't know. <laughs> but basically, we we wrote all the music without any picture at all. Right. So, and that's never really done that I can think of. It was fun to do it that way. Yeah. Um, and then the editors would, we would record it in all different ways so that there were tons of options. So then they pretty much kind of and they scored would, it, they I guess, the picture. It, they pieced it together. Wow. And there's a lot, you know, people do films that way. And there's, yeah, there's yeah, some yeah. composers that have had a great success doing it that way. But that's not, not normally the way I work. Yeah. I think, so. I mean, looking back at like Leone and or Malik, they'd like to put two music, you know, beforehand. So yeah. it's definitely different. Yeah. You can come that way from that way too yeah um and all these scores that we're talking about i think you did you, your sound is so versatile because you capture so many different cultures and sounds and and you know ethnicities and into your music um do you have to do a lot of research like when you're doing a mana looking at the, you know that culture or doing something um or is there a lot of research involved on your in yeah. instrumentation oh, and yeah. styles and everything and you know the great thing about working with Disney is that they help with all of that mm. because you know they understand that I need to immerse myself in the culture so right. they actually sent me to New Zealand during a festival where a lot of different islands that are down there there's thousands of islands down yeah. there but let's say some of them brought uh, their traditional music over and performed on all these different stages wow. so we went over there Lynn and me and Opatai was already there yeah and I was able to hear and watch and take pictures of the instruments and see what they're playing and see what the vocals sound like and what they're doing uh, before we started. So that was invaluable. You wow. know? Besides just giving me stacks of music to listen to of traditional and ancient yeah. musics from the music from all the different areas down mm. there. Do, do certain different cultures uh, influence the I guess the type of theme that you can write with the instruments that you have at your well, one of the things we wanted to stay away from was making a documentary. Right. That wasn't the idea. So, of course, thematically, I went to themes that I felt comfortable writing mm -hmm. and that I thought would work well for the for the film. I wasn't trying to think, well, you can only use three notes, so you got to right. use these three. <laughs> um, because really, that the music, Polynesian, South Pacific music, is really rhythmic and vocal. It's yeah. more, much more that than it is... Uh, a certain instrument or a certain theme that they always do. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> so, um, so kind of jumping out of the world of, of animation, another film you did that um, I really loved was August Rush, and I thought it was such a such a unique opportunity for you as a composer because you got to kind of create music that was both in the you know diegetic and non diegetic world, and um, because the main character, of course, was you know this kind of musical prodigy. What was it like, I guess, you're almost not just scoring the character, but scoring for the character as well, yeah. right? Yeah, so... Uh, uh, scoring as the character. As the character. You yeah. know, I, I loved that movie. I loved doing that. Yeah. Um, just from my experience in doing, you know, music, and, and actually, again, I have to go back to progressive rock. Yeah. <laughs> there were they were these albums that came out in 1972, that, and I think I was a sophomore, freshman, I don't know what I was. <laughs> Whatever I was, yeah. <laughs> there were there were these records, thick as a brick, close to the edge, selling England by the pound. Foxtrot, I think, was the one in '72 by Genesis. These records were so amazing, and the, what 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 the the music was, you know, like a 20-minute piece, 
And at the end of the piece, usually it had a recapitulation of all the themes that you had heard, especially mm -hmm. close to the edge. Right. When I got the job to do August Rush, I told them right off the bat, the first thing I'm writing is the symphony at the end. Yeah. Whatever that piece is, is going to define everything that happens before. So they kind of went, well, maybe that makes sense. You know? So what I did was I took the script and I had a scroll mm. and I wrote this piece of music and then we played it with the scroll. So as the script was going, you were hearing what should be happening when you are at a certain place in the script. Wow. Now, the original one was, I think, like eight minutes long. It was a pretty big piece of music. Yeah. And then, of course, the producers cut it down. And uh, but still, it was still a good piece of music. Oh yeah, they cut fantastic. it. They cut it down. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget when we finished the movie. A couple of weeks later, the producer Richard Lewis called me and said, "You know, I've been out at my at the pool and I'm I'm listening to your original demo and I think it was better than the." <laughs> you know, it's that feeling of yeah. Well, that's, that's, what, I was that's what I was trying to say. But uh, but it was but, on, yeah. got it on the soundtrack release. I think it was on, on there. Yeah, that was awesome. And Dave Dave Metzger helped me a lot on that film. Yeah. And we went to New York and watched them film that last scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, which was really exciting because I got a chance, the actors got a chance to talk with me and they loved that piece of music. They'd been hearing that piece of music for the whole time they were shooting. Right. And they so they, they loved it. it. <laughs> and, and so then we kind of met up and it was really fun. It was fun for me. You know? That's awesome. <laughs> um, so outside of, uh, you know, of, of films, you work in television as well and, you know, Criminal Minds and uh, is writing for television. I know a lot of people say that the schedules are crazy and everything. Yeah. Is, 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 do you find it more creatively, I guess, uh, Stimulating to be under a tighter deadline, or do you like room to breathe? Uh, I like that room to breathe. Room thing. to breathe. So you'd rather have more time. Which than... I, what I noticed in television um, is usually the people are younger that are in charge. Mm. Um, and so, and when you're younger, um, you know you you wanna you usually wanna prove yourself. Mm -hmm. So you tend to be a little more aggressive. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, having worked with directors like Yawn and. And John and Ron, you know, mm -hmm. they're just, they're, they're my age, but they're a little bit older than I am. Yeah. It's very comfortable, you know? Right. Whereas when you're working with somebody who's 25, you know, on their first TV series, it's, yeah, it's a little it's difficult because they're not looking at me with amazing respect for my, what I've done. They're just, right. they're just looking at their own career and thinking this better be good, you know? <laughs> so it's a, it's a little, it's a little tough. <laughs> um, well, one director we forgot to talk about was uh, Antoine Fuqua who oh, yeah. Yeah, he did an amazing <laughs> job with Training Day and, Antoine and um, uh, he, he, and you know he's still making movies and I, you guys had a really good thing going on I always am interested you know certain directors and posers will kind of work for periods and then kind of go parting ways is yeah. that is it was that's is, always the director's decision it's always the director's oh, yeah. decision oh yeah yeah the composer will be latching on as long yeah. as I love when people tell me oh yeah well I turned that I turned that down and I always think um, you know, if it's a good film, I don't think he turned it down. Yeah, um, yeah. Antoine is, you know, he's a little finicky, you know, and, right. and I, I loved working with him. I, you know, we did, we started with Bait, right? Yeah, yeah. And which was a blast. And then as we were finishing Bait, he goes, "Here's our next film," and it was Training Day. And wow. then we did that, and that won an Oscar. Yeah. And then he was gone. You yeah. Know? And 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 then. I, I tracked him down years later, and I, I just saw him. I think at a restaurant we met, and I said, "What? What happened? I mean, did I piss you off, or what's the? You know what? I, you know, I thought was we were doing me? some great work." And he's like, "No, we, we should have never. We should have never parted. Let's let's do Shooter. You know, so yeah. then we did Shooter, and then I didn't hear from him, and then we did a little TV thing, and and that was that. So I and I haven't talked to him since. So I, you know, I don't know. 
That's interesting. I was because I know there's, of course, there's the directors. You know, everyone comes to mind: John Williams and Steven Spielberg. You know, yeah, the, the and and of, you know, Spielberg won't do a movie without John. And if it's a jazz score, or if it's a thematic score, or right. if it's a, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's John Williams. Yeah, um, <laughs> I never had that loyalty. You know, yeah. uh, Al Al has that with. With Robert Zemeckis, yeah, um, of course. I I think it's wonderful. I, have, I applaud that. I just didn't have that. Yeah, I, I love seeing that because you get to see the I think the composer and the director kind of go through the different motions throughout their careers. It's so important, and, yeah. and I I just would think for a director it would be so. Uh, right. I think it would be comforting to know that your composer can help pull it out as Alan does, and yeah. uh, you know I thought Antoine and I were doing that, but <laughs> things change. <laughs> things change. So last time we spoke, I mean in. You told me that you were kind of becoming a little bit more selective on what you pick. Kind of at this point, in your career, you're kind of selective it's about the projects. Not even, I'm not even becoming selective. I've always been selective. Like, it, you know, it's just not a for me. It's just not. I got to get that next film. Right. I never felt that way. So there's never a rush to jump to the next never, project. Never. Um, do you turn away projects that come to your doorstep that you don't feel passionate about? Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, that that's also a matter of timing right you know it's it's not always the the film it's it can be timing or it can mm -hmm. be uh, the people you know yeah. I've gone down for meetings and and sat in the in waiting to meet with the producers or whoever for like an hour and, and just thought you know what I don't think I'm gonna do this yeah you know if this is if this is their meeting with me and it's I'm just sitting around what's it gonna be like when I want to try to play music for them right and then it's a long it's a lot of a lot of time from your life too, because you know these. But I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm saying that as being fortunate to have had success. Oh yeah, of course. You know, I mean, yeah. if you're coming up, you, you can't afford to do that. <laughs> yeah. But I think once I did the Lion King on Broadway, I, I felt a little bit like, okay, I'd really like to do, and that's why August Rush was so great. I really, really would like to do some other films that show my other talents rather than this guy's running down the street and somebody's chasing him. Yeah, and doing the same old stuff. But I mean, and then. Are there anything kind of at this point in your career? Is there anything left on the so-called kind of career bucket list? Like, is there stuff that you still, and maybe not even uh, musically related? Is there anything that you kind of say to yourself personally, like, I want to do this. I haven't touched this yet. You know, uh, John Lasseter was my bucket list guy. Yeah, I don't even know how. You know, it was Chris Montana that, that put us together. Mm. Um, Chris called me and said, John needs a theme for this movie called Planes. And I want to give you a shot. And if you if you if he loves it, you'll work with him and do a bunch of films with him. If he doesn't like it, you'll never talk to him again. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, I don't want to go through this. Oh, you know? I don't want to have this kind of pressure. But you know, it's John. It was a chance to, yeah. to work with him. And and man, I tell you, working with him was just incredible. And I remember that it was such a big deal because that first teaser was 100% score. Yeah, it was just. Nothing, yeah. just your music. I know. And I was. He I've loved never it. Seen he that. he yeah. loved it, and uh, he told me that. Uh, he said to me that that's his theme, wow. and he just wanted to show that theme as it stood. I mean, that, that for me, good. Was, yeah. it did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In, 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 tremendous. Yeah. yeah, it was like a little bit of payback to me for him because he's brought right. so many great films oh, into the God. world. I mean, yeah. Um, when you approach, I mean, it's going to be just kind of for any project. I'm sure it's going to be different for every project. But what's usually kind of the starting point for you? I know. Uh, I like to ask the, kind of the same question a lot of composers. Like, where does the first note come from? Is it from a conversation? Is it a thought? Is it looking at the image? Like, where does it usually come from for you? Well, I have to. I have to meet with the director. Mm -hmm. I have to get a sense of what he's look he or she's looking for. Right. So that's first. Then I think it's the sa the the color palette 
like they're like doing a painting. Mm -hmm. Do you want your normal palette that has all like a hundred colors, or do you want to just limit it to maybe six? Right. And then just work with those colors and see. And yeah. I think that's normally what we do is start working with the palette and trying to figure out what what kind of you know is it orchestral, is it textural, you know? Right. What is it, or is it combination? Yeah. And then once the sounds are kind of figured out, then you just start writing. And usually it's garbage at first. <laughs> But you know, is it, it a, are you like do you like is it a trial and error for you? Do yeah. you ever hit it on the first shot, like first time? Like I nailed it. Like I don't think I do. No. Do you need something? Once I get going, you know. But it's that the yeah. initial like starting the first cue and trying to or figure out what the sound of the film is that hmm. that takes some trial and error. Um, do you need someone to tell you when you've hidden it? Like, do you need a director to be like, you got it there, Mark? Or do, or do you know in your head like I found it? That that's a difficult one. I, I you know I go by what I think is best. Mm -hmm. So when I hit something that I really like, the problem is if, that I believe in it. Yeah. So if they don't, then I start to doubt that they know yeah. what they're doing. <laughs> Usually, if I really feel it, they feel it. Yeah. So I'd say 80% of the time, it's a done deal once I get it. That's good. <laughs> but that other 20% is the time where I think I've got... I've written some stuff for Jerry Bruckheimer that was that was some of the best action stuff I've ever written and, and it's tossed out gone you know do you do you keep that in the back nah, to, it's gone not, forever not then that was the that was the I think the 90s yeah years. that was just <laughs> did it live somewhere in a hard drive or is it like no I don't even think there was a hard drive I'm not sure <laughs> it's probably on dat you know or something yeah. <laughs> um, so when and when you're writing a score and you need to draw kind of on the emotion or uh, the you know on the emotion of a scene or the emotion of a character um, do you I guess, do you pull from your own life experience, you know, from all your ups and downs, all the pains or joys, or is it more of just like, I guess, is it autobiographical or is it interpretive? Like, do you like, I know how to make, I know how to tell this story, or do you like, oh, I felt this before, and I kind of pull from your own self? It's, pro it's probably both. I think, the, I think the difficult one is if you don't feel mm -hmm. yeah. it from the scene. Right. And then you need to write it. That's difficult. Right. But um, if it's something where I, you know, let's say it's a woman... And an abortion. Well, I have no idea what that feels like, yeah. so I can't. I can't say that's my experience, but but I can try to to feel that. Right. You know? um, but when you have a scene where you're just not feeling that chemistry that you're supposed to be feeling, and you need to make it work. Right. That's trickier. That's harder. Yeah. It's harder to write a bad film. You know. Yeah. It really is. <laughs> can't but but in terms of, I bet everyone is doing. I don't. I don't think anyone sets out to make a bad film. No. But, yeah. No. Of course is, not. Um, but, but there comes that time when you really <laughs> when you know the scenes are just you know yeah for sure I do want to touch a little bit you uh, you scored very briefly you worked on some video games or two video games sorcery yeah. and then you did um, uh, uh, modern warfare I saw your name pop up oh, that was yeah. interesting you I think they I think Lauren and Hans no I think they took some themes. I don't remember that. You don't, yeah. I it, think it they was... took some themes that that already existed, and, and so they put my name on it. Because oh, I don't really? think I sat down and wrote that. Because you were just listed as an additional composer, yeah. so maybe they... Um... I think they took some stuff. So you don't I'm, remember... I'm, That's I don't, interesting. I don't remember that. <laughs> but um, for Sorcery, how did that come onto your doorstep? So, that, you know, that was fun. I mean, that was, that was a Sony... Uh, project I've yeah. never done a video game and I thought well this you know I mean it's themes it's yeah it was a little bit more like blood plus mm. where you know you're they gave me scenarios and I right. just wrote music for it that, and that's really fun that's like getting an assignment every day <laughs> can you write a piece about somebody walking on the beach or you know whatever it is <laughs> yeah and then you do it and then you turn it in and then so 
and and this was Irish, this was Celtic, which mm-hmm. I love. So that that made it really fun. Yeah, too. he did that with like with Mall Flanders. And yeah, so yeah. you got to touch in that area. Yeah, and Mall Flanders was really fun for me. Yeah, that so. was I love that score. It's great. That's one of my favorites, actually. <laughs> yeah, I just wish I would have had a budget. You know. <laughs> well, when you don't have a budget, uh, is it... then you pay violinists to come in and you give them <laughs> booze and you get them to record it. I mean, that's what I did on that <laughs> on that film. If you listen to the. The, the fiddle playing is great, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't remember who that was, but it was a guy that was it was a guy that was in the in the studio down in Santa Monica and uh, playing on something. And I asked him if he would play on it, uh-huh. and he said, "If you give me uh, get some get some wine going and stuff." So <laughs> I had all these bottles open. I just kept giving. He was playing it off off of my off of the notation on my sequencer wow. and, and playing the parts. So it was. This is back when I think we could only record one track at a time in in audio. So it was. Wow. <laughs> a while ago. Yeah. Um, so a lot of your scores, I mean, are, are getting a lot of expanded releases. They're getting remastered and revisited. Um, and you're, you're going to sit down with Jan tomorrow for, you know, a Twister kind of signing of the new La Land release. Is Jan there tomorrow? I believe so, yeah. No way. Yeah. I didn't, didn't tell you this. No. <laughs> they got, they got uh, yeah, they got Jan. So. No way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how bright. Um, the, all the expanded releases, when you revisit, getting to revisit your scores now, look, you know, from... All these years ago, are you when you have to do you to approve all these things and looking them over again? Do you look back with fondness, or do you go, oh man, what was I thinking then? Like, well, I I, I did on um, Twister, yeah, um, and uh, something else that we did. I don't remember what it was. What else was recent? I think they did. I mean, they did like Money Tree. Oh, oh Haunted Mansion. That Haunted just Mansion. came yeah, out. Yeah, that was on a trial. That, you know, and I, I again, I, the movie, you know, did, what, didn't do that great. Right. And it wasn't that great. Yeah. But, but the, for me, the music was, was strong and, and really exciting. Yeah. And, and Rob Minkoff, the director, really supported it. So mm-hmm. we had a choir and harpsichords, pipe organs, mm-hmm. full orchestra, did it at Sony. It was really, yeah. really exciting. <laughs> Um, so looking kind of at the industry as a whole, are there any trends uh, or practices that are going on today um, that you are, uh, like, you can say, like, oh, I'm really glad I'm seeing this right now, or are there any things that you're going, I'm really, I'm just kind of unfortunate, I wish this wasn't going on, like, or that's too bad, I wish it was you know. I think that, I think the tragedy is, is the, the, the lack of use of real people playing on mm-hmm. the scores. So just synthetic And that's scores. budgets and... Time and time and all these different things, yeah. but it's unfortunate because there's just nothing like ninety people playing together. You can't right. you can't replace that with anything. And and I think you know at times I really miss that, but when I hear it, uh, it's really refreshing. Right. It makes me feel good about it. So I think it's because there's a lot of live. I think there's a lot of live, more than I've seen before live uh, performances and scores to pictures and you know and they're. they're Performing Back to the Future, live to picture, and ET live to picture. I think it's, it's I feel fantastic. like it's, it's a surge. Of, I think it's and, a little bit of a surge in pop culture. You know, and Dave, Dave Newman does Dave that. Newman and, does and, and, you know, yeah. people uh, people flip out because they kind of go, wow, that's what music does. That You know, it's yeah. always, a, it's always a, a surprise. The other thing is that, you know, you can write a score for synthesized, you know, for synthetic right. orchestral sound. Yeah. You can write it a certain way, and it's difficult to tell the difference. Yeah. But if you write an orchestral score... A proper orchestral score. Yeah, you can't. You it, the difference is unbelievable between mm. human beings and machines. So, yeah. you know, I try to stay on that side of things. <laughs> and to uh, to wrap up, I would love to just if you were asked to come back for Bad Boys Three, would you say? Yes? <laughs> <laughs> 
if, if Michael and Jerry showed up on your doorstep and said, hey, come on back. Uh, first of all, I think that would never happen in a million years. <laughs> what about Speed 3? If Speed 3 happens. If Jan did it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. As long as it wasn't on a boat, I'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because I think that I was looking back at why Keanu Reeves turned it down and he goes, it's on a boat. Right. You know what sense, I mean? You know, guys, if, I can't if it's do on this. a spaceship, that's not going to work either. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, no more space movies. Well, Mark, I want to thank you so much for your time today. It was such a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much. No, no problem.